Welcome to Rockin' with HR. Uh, we are a part of HR from Happy Valley, which is the main podcast for Penn State's Hospitality Management School. Today on our podcast, we have four hosts with us. I'm Kylie, and then we have Grace and Katie and Shay as well. Um, I'm going to give them a moment to introduce themselves in a second. But our theme for today is obviously rock and roll. Um, I'm going to give us all a moment to introduce ourselves, and then we'll go over today's podcast and what we're looking at. Um, I'll go first. Um, I am a senior, and I love our theme today for um, our podcast. I actually went to the Journey concert at the Bryce Jordan Center last spring. Super, super fun. So I'm very excited about all the rock and roll music and um the energy that we're gonna be contributing today. Hi everyone, my name's Katie. I'm so excited that you're all here and listening to us today. I'm super excited about our rock and roll theme. Um, something cool is that I've actually met Bon Jovi before, so I think that's how I really got into rock and roll. Um, I would say my favorite concert that I've been to is the Travis Scott concert. I went a few years ago and I know he's more rap, but I think it's like similar to rock and roll, and that's the music I'm really interested in. So, Grace, do you want to introduce yourself next? Yeah, thanks, Katie. Um, so, my name's Grace. I am from York, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm not uh, too much into rock and roll music. I like pretty much every other kind of music, and my favorite uh, concert that I've been to is definitely Post Malone. Uh, he's like my number one artist. Um, so yeah, I'm from York, Pennsylvania. I um, come from a pretty big family. I, there's five kids in my family. Um, and with that being said, I know Shay said she has a big family too, so I'll pass it to her. Hi, yeah, um, I'm Shay, and I come from a family of seven. I'm the youngest out of all of them, so it makes me the favorite child. Um, as for music, I've always had a thing for music. I've played the piano for seven years. And that's my incorporation for this theme today. That's awesome. Um, yeah, no, it's great to hear about you guys having big families. I do not come from a big family, so I've always wanted more siblings just to, you know, goof around with and have fun. But so today our podcast is basically going to go along this line. So we're going to have a Here's the Buzz segment, which we've all picked different desks that we're going to speak from. Um, we'll introduce those in a moment. But basically, that portion of the podcast, we've picked articles for our desks. We're going to talk a little bit about um, some uh, scenarios going on right now, um, currently in the world of hospitality, um, that relate to our main hot topic, um, which is justice-impacted employees. So that is going to segue us into our hot topics, where we'll further discuss that and some issues, and we'll also talk about... Um, some other fellow podcasters that we've spoke to regarding this very same issue. Um, and then we'll have some question rounds and we'll finish up. So I think Katie is going to start us off uh, with Here's the Buzz. Katie, would you like to tell us a little bit about your desk? Yeah, thanks, Kylie. So my desk today that I'm reporting from is going to be something that is important. And the headline is that everyone deserves a second chance. So the article that I chose is called Americans with Criminal Records are in Demand in a Tight U.S. Job Market. 
and the news source of this is Bloomberg. So some statistics to start us off is I learned that one in four Americans have a criminal record, which is insane. I didn't even know it was that many. And 55% of people with past convictions have trouble finding or keeping a job. So why is this important and why are we talking about it today? So not hiring ex-convicts is going to contribute to disproportionately putting black and brown people at a disadvantage. But if you hire black and brown people with a past criminal record, it helps companies amplify diversity in the workplace, which I don't think many managers are aware of. Another thing is that we're in a very tight labor market right now, and everyone is looking for valuable, valuable employees that can offer something different and bring something new to the table. And right now, managers are disregarding a large community of people who are willing to work, and they're just looking past what they have to offer. But you should be wanting to find the right fit for a job and disregard this criminal record in order to do so. So why is it this way, and what can we as future managers do to change this? So the current stigma around um, people who have convictions from before is that they're going to be a risk or liability to other employees. So a way to fix this in the workplace is to address that there is a stigma and work to eliminate these biases. Another thing is that many company policies have legal restrictions that automatically do not allow them to hire justice impacted people. So a way to change this is you can eliminate company policies that restrict you from hiring justice impacted workers. And my last solution is that um, job interviewers can ask about a criminal record and if there are no specific questions that are asked during an interview, it can even just show up during a background check. So you can just be able to openly talk about their criminal record and hear their side instead of just spectating and guessing what's happening, kind of get their side of the story and I think it just clears a lot of tension and confusion. So some, some statistics that managers should be aware about is that 81% of HR workers say that the cost of hiring justice impacted employees is the same or even less than an employee without a criminal record. So if you do wanna hire justice impacted employees, you're gonna be saving a lot of money, which will help you with your business. Additionally, two thirds of managers agree that employees that are justice impacted are as good or even better workers than employees without a criminal record. As I said before, these people are willing to work um, and it's proven right now from managers. So I just think that this is a very underrepresented issue and people do not deem it as a priority right now, which is why I chose this desk. Um, and I was even saying that when I was looking for articles on this topic with the options that were provided, it was extremely limited. It's just not something people are talking about or willing to research or look into. Um, because they don't want to take that risk. But if companies want to assist the underrepresented community of just impacted employees and also diversify their workplace, they need to start taking this action now. Um, I think Shay is going to be reporting next from her desk, so I'm going to pass it over to her. Thanks, Katie. Um, I'll be reporting from the Something to Think About desk, and the article I chose is How Employers Can Set Formerly Incarcerated Workers Up for Success, and that's by Jeffrey Korzenik. Um, in the article, it includes that there is a growing number of U.S. businesses that have been employing millions of Americans with criminal justice records. Something to think about in this article is that employers that use positive approaches for the second chance model see these employees not as a cost but as an investment, and it's an investment with a positive return. Some statistics that are included is 19 Michigan companies that fund a nonprofit organization called The Source designed to support marginalized workers in Second Chance reported a 219% return on their investment, 
And that's just one of many benefits that are included in hiring justice-impacted employees. There's a lot of things to consider when discussing this topic, but that's just a brief overview. I'm going to pass it to Kylie so she can report to her from her desk. Thank you. So I was actually talking from the desk of something to watch out for. Um, my article is Event of Technologies Champions Rehabilitative Justice and Second Chances. So it comes from the PR Newswire and it was published by Event of Technologies. Um, but basically they're a company that uh, is trying to deliver secure and affordable products to bridge the digital divide um, to help America's 1.9 million incarcerated individuals uh, and you know successfully re-enter society. So a quote from, from the article is, the reality is background checks can be unintentional roadblocks, which is why we decided to disrupt this space um, with the launch of R3 score technology, which is a more holistic background check. Um, and they noted since launching Honest Jobs on uh, secure, like on different tablets um, for businesses in 2023, incarcerated individuals have conducted more than 3.6 million job searches on the devices. Uh, which is just helping them prepare for applying and interviewing once they've been, you know, released and they're re-entering um, the workforce. Um, and now I'm going to pass it over to Grace. Yeah, so um, the desk that I'm reporting from is Here's Something Cool. Um, the article I chose is actually from Maud's website um, and it's called Stories of Second Chances. So something I didn't know um, prior to researching for this podcast is that Maud is a huge advocate for hiring justice impacted employees. Um, so on the website it said each year um, six, 650,000 individuals exit the criminal justice system and one of the key indicators for a successful re-entry is employment. But finding employment can be challenging um, because many employers like Katie said earlier are not willing to look over prior missteps. Um, Mod is dedicated to giving people with a criminal record a second chance and giving them a stepping stone to get back into the real world. Um, so something that like Mod kind of lives by is one of their kind of quotes on their website is, um, you're defined by your past, but you're defined not by your past, but what you do next. Um, so they said that we've found many justice-involved individuals are ready to get back to work and have the grit and resilience that we value in all of our people. And that's also a direct quote from the MOD website as well. Um, so um, Sophia, an eight-year MOD employee, was given a second chance after serving three years in prison. She worked her way up the, ladders, the ladder and was promoted to recruiter. She now spends time, uh, she spends her time visiting prisons to share her story and provide hope for others who are incarcerated. Um, another story that was on the website, it was about Justin, who is now a general manager. Uh, he ended up in prison at 18 and got out when he was 25. He said he found a job in property management, got great reviews, but the people at this company were not comfortable with his past. And so they, soon after he was hired, they pressured him to leave. Um, a fast food restaurant about half a mile away from his home. They wouldn't hire him at minimum wage, but his sister had worked for Maud previously, set him up for an interview, and he got the job right on the spot. All right, so the last story I have um, from Maud's website is about Nick, who is a general manager. Um, his story said, I didn't believe in myself at first, but my managers at Maud did. They made me want to work harder. 
Uh, the minute I realized I can do more with myself at Mod, I started setting goals and working my ass off. The reason I do this job is to give opportunities to the same people as me. If they're open enough in recovery and ready, and if I can get them to buy into what Mod is doing, I can help change their life through this job. So I just thought that was really interesting because, I mean, Mod is somewhere like I, I mean, it was right down the street from my high school. So before, you know, volleyball games stuff, we would go to Mod, get food before these games. But I never see anything really advertised in the stores. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I never saw anything advertised in the stores about um, them giving me second chances. So I just thought that was something really cool to share. Yeah, I think for sure. I also have never heard much about Mod. Um, I've actually never been to a Mod pizza, but... Um, from what you've described, it does seem, and I think we've talked about this in class too, having like a potential mindset rather than an achievement mindset um, as an employer, like they're really looking at what um, they can help people um, do and what they're able to do um, and not really like so much what they have done. Yeah. And I think too, like, yeah, Shay, like your desk is definitely like <clears throat> kind of doing the same thing, just like setting people up for success. Um and I think, as is Katie's, like, there's definitely a stigma around um, hiring, you know, justice-impacted uh, employees. And I think that changing that is certainly something that needs to be um, implemented um, in businesses. Yeah, I agree. I also think, like, a lot of people don't know about MOD. I think we know because I think we've had them, like you said, we've had them come to our class a couple times. So I've heard about MOD. And I think most of our classmates do, but overall, I don't know Mod as being like a very big and popular brand. It's not like a Pizza Hut or anything. So I think like if more industries or maybe just the bigger industries heard about Mod, they could easily like incorporate their ideas. They just don't know about it or they're choosing to ignore it. But Mod's like the perfect example. Like Grace, you just gave all those stories about like each person and like how it helped their lives and how it like changed them for the better and I think if they heard those personal stories it would incentivize them more to just incorporate it within their business too yeah 100% okay so here's some food for thought for everyone um so I have a hypothetical scenario and I just want you guys to hear it and then let me know what your thoughts are so what if there was an employee say you're a manager you work at a company and it could be whatever company you want in this scenario. And an employee comes in, they're looking for a job, and they're a very qualified person. The only thing is that they have theft on the record from a few years back. But the scenario is that they were stealing because they're extremely poor. They worked at a grocery store, and they were stealing food for their family. And say that the person that wanted to be hired, they're explaining this to you because you heard them out. Would you be worried that they're going to now steal from your company or would you more consider the circumstances that they were in and hire them? That's a that's a really interesting hypothetical. Um, I think I think that's a that's an issue that a lot of managers probably would have to think about um, in this scenario. But I think honestly, as a manager, I personally would definitely acknowledge their, you know, let them speak upon, you know, like um what they did um and try and like understand it and have a conversation with that potential employee about you know what what steps they've taken and like what what can be done differently uh to make sure that they they aren't in that situation again and like how how I can help that kind of thing mm -hmm. you know I feel like as a manager I would just have to give them the chance 
Because, like, you never know. Maybe they'll steal from you. Okay, you lose a couple bucks here. Or you lose some products. But what if they don't? Then you're helping somebody and you're giving them a second chance. Yeah, I think I would... um like you said, Kylie, like, give them the chance to kind of explain themselves, hear, um, like, hear them out, um, hear their situation, what they were going through, and obviously, you know, like, you kind of have to sympathize with people sometimes. If it was literally to feed their family, um, and it was a couple years back, so obviously, you know, it hasn't happened again. Um, they've learned their lesson, and now they're working on getting a job, trying to get, um, they're trying to get the resources to be able to buy food for their family and um, provide for them. So I think that I would I would give them the chance. In a similar situation, though, like, what would you guys do if it wasn't, like, let's just say, like, it wasn't, like, stealing for their family. Like, it just wasn't, stealing. it was just, well, let's say it was harassment. Like, let's mm. say, it. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what would you do, you know, because they, they're, they're credible you know it happened a couple like many years back but obviously it's in their history and like you're worried about you know employee um like the employee like the community of the workplace you want this potential employee to like get along with other people that work for you like how would you handle that with harassment yeah like would you be worried that they would cause future problems like with other employees or they wouldn't get along i I think it kind of depends on like what the job is like if this is a job where like they mainly stick to themselves. Maybe it could be different, but also, I think it also like depends on the crime. Like I think harassment like could be more serious, and like if they're working with like a lot of people, it could definitely be an issue in the future. So I guess it kind of depends on what the job is. But if it's one where like you're socializing with like a lot of people and you already have like a really good like work environment going on, I'm not sure if I would hire them <clears throat> personally. I feel like with harassment. It would have to be, like, are you willing to sacrifice, like, the happy workplace and, like, the workplace that you already have for one person that could, like, screw it all up with, like, harassing somebody? And then, like, what if that causes, like, other employees to leave? Then you're, like, I don't know. I feel like it depends. Yeah, I would say kind of similar to the last um, scenario we just talked about. Like, I think you kind of have to just take into account what it was exactly what kind of harassment first of all like um I mean was it like verbal physical sexual harassment like whatever it is because I think um you just kind of have to hear him out again and like you said Katie like I think you do kind of have to think about what kind of job it was too or it is that they're applying for um and just really listen to them and just kind of get them like get their side of the story It's kind of hard in that situation, though, because you can't get the other person's side of the story. I also don't know how they would talk their way out of it, too. Like, Mm -hmm. I think the scenario I gave where if they were stealing something, they could explain, like, it was for my family. Like, I come from, like, a low-income place. It makes sense. But for harassment, I know, like, how (laughs) would they, like, talk their way out of that and, like, explain it? Yeah, Yeah, so, I mean, this reminded me... um, I had an internship at a um, hotel in Virginia a couple years ago, and I remember my boss was telling me that when she worked in HR, I want to say it was the same hotel, but I could be wrong. Um, but I mean that doesn't really matter. But when she worked in HR, she was, um, and the, they were in the process of hiring this man, and um, he got pretty far, and then they had to do a background check on him and had found out that he. 
um, served some time in prison. I, I don't remember how much time, but for what it was, I think it was probably um, a good amount. Um, he was in for vehicular manslaughter, which is really sad, but he was in a car accident. It was him and um, his wife and their son, and it was a pretty bad accident, and it ended up um, killing, I think I want to say that it was his wife and son that died. Um, and I mean, he was the driver, he was responsible. So he was, um, sent to prison for that. So my manager, um, my old manager, when she worked in HR, like they all, you know, talked and everything and they couldn't offer them him that position because of, you know, the seriousness of, um, what he was in prison for. I'm not sure what happened after that. If he, was able to get another job or anything, but I know that he was not able to be hired at that hotel. That's so terrible. Yeah. Like, the, it wasn't, like, it was his wife and kid, too. Like, I feel like that's yeah. so obviously not intentional. Yeah, he's, like, paying for it every day. Yeah, and the fact that it's going to, like, affect him the rest of his life finding a job, and, like, he also has to live with, like, knowing that he accidentally killed, like, his wife and his kid, too. Yeah, it was so sad when she was telling us about that. Yeah, the, so with that, I think we'll probably definitely, you know, dive more into that in, like, related situations. But um, if you guys can't already tell, our hot topic, um, much like rock and roll, is something that is definitely controversial. Uh, and we want to talk about this topic of justice-impacted uh, employees because we're really interested in just discussing the ways that employers are becoming uh, more open and the ways that they can become more open to hiring individuals who have been impacted by the justice system um, to promote economic growth uh, within companies and especially in times of labor shortages in the hospitality industry. I know that um, that's definitely a huge problem and I think that um, this would open up a lot of avenues for um, A, these, these potential employees and B, the companies as well. I, we're going to kind of format it in kind of a question and answer round session. Um, but right before we do that, um, I'd like to take this time to just note that we also had the opportunity to meet with um, Jeffrey Abramowitz and Sierra Cobb, uh, who work and speak with uh, people on this topic professionally. So Jeffrey is the CEO of a national nonprofit organization that provides educational tutoring and support to people who have been impacted by the justice system. And he is also a radio and TV show host for Behind Every Employer and Looking Forward. Uh, Sierra is a host of a social and criminal justice work podcast called Emancipate NC, um, or North Carolina, and she advocates for previously incarcerated individuals and their families as well. So that was really cool that we got to talk about them and hopefully, um, you know, I think we're going to actually talk more about what uh, they said um, and their work as well. But for the first question, um, uh, would each one of you want to discuss like the most critical aspects of hiring justice impacted employees um, or just like the major challenges that employers face or even these people are facing? Uh, Katie, would you like to start? Yeah. I think that the main issue right now is that these people are being set up for failure from the start and that's because they're just they have a lack of tools that are provided to them as they're trying to reintegrate into society which is actually um when we did alumni in the classroom no not alumni in the, the classroom HR, HR summit, summit. Yeah, yeah HR summit 
Um, one of the guys was talking about how that was a big issue, not having the tools as he was leaving prison. So I think that's why they're just set up for failure. And some examples is he was talking about how they have a lack of transportation services, lack of mental health resources, counseling, legal help, and mentoring. So I think that is the root of the problem right now. Uh, Grace, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, so um, I think that society tends to cancel out people and label them as felons um, without kind of giving them that chance um, to, you know, like show them the work they can do, show them um, who they really are. I think, I mean, it kind of goes along with that, but stereotypes are just a huge thing. It's, you know, like once someone goes to prison, that becomes, you know, the only thing that people see them as. Um, it could be something minor, major, uh, anything really, um, whatever the charge is, it's kind of just, that's who you are now. It's kind of like, oh, you know, that person's been to prison, that person is a felon. Um, and so I think that's a big problem too, because it's just like, that's how that's how they're seen in society now. Yeah, I think um, one of the most um, critical aspects of the issue is um, ineffective hiring approaches and there's three different employee models and one of the most ineffective one is called the disposable employee model and it's found in low wage and low skill jobs and what it means is that the companies that use this approach are usually looking to keep costs down and they aren't really selective and the hires tend to be lower quality and they have higher employee turnover rates and there's different solutions to them that we're going to get into next but those are like the three I feel main um critical aspects in our issue and our hot topic yeah so like let's talk about those solutions uh since you went last jay would you like to go first and just talking about the solutions for the disposable employee model yeah so there's um out of the three the best one is actually called the true second chance model and that includes candidate assessment which is in-person training programs which would help with the ineffective hiring approaches and they're staffing agencies and referrals from workplace organizations. And they have tailored support programs like mentorship and transportation and housing and legal assistance. And there's also resources that there are advanced practitioners of the second chance model that actually provide social workers, psychologists, and life coaches and navigators that can help these employees maximize their resources that are available to support their employment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so um, I know Jeff and Sierra both kind of talked about this when we met with them um, on the Zoom, um, but they were just kind of saying, you know, like, give um, the person the resources they need to succeed. Um, I think this kind of goes um, hand in hand with what you just said, Shay. Um, just like, you know, they... Jeff said like things like getting a bank account or a driver's license are not easy to do um, or set up once someone is released from prison. Um, it's and it's I mean, those are things that I mean, I think you really need to, um, you know, go about your daily life. Um, so just kind of sitting down during the interviews and during your uh, talks with them about what has gone on in their life, what like about their situation and just kind of asking them. Uh, what you can do for them to help them get these things and to be successful and to kind of be like the best that they can be in the job. So I think that, you know, just giving them the resources they need to be the best is, is really important. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with your point. Um, I know when I was looking for solutions, I found the nature time nature test, which was in an article. It's one of the managerial solutions. There's three steps to it. The first one is to consider the nature of the offense. So consider how serious was this offense and 
would those risks be an issue if this person was hired by your company? The second one is how much time has passed since this crime. So if it was last week compared to like several years ago, so they've had time to like think about it and reflect. And the third one is to consider the nature of the job. So will the potential employee be able to complete its essential functions? Say their crime was something with um, a DUI, like drunk driving, but then also the job has absolutely nothing to do with driving. I think the person can still complete the essential functions of the job without their past conviction impacting it at all. And I think this is relevant because it gives a way for just impacted individuals a second chance, but it's also very reasonable and realistic on who they're allowed to hire. Kylie, is there anything you want to add? Yeah, I think I definitely agree with all of your guys' solutions. Um, I think it really comes down to um, just understanding a the employee, like the potential employee, understanding what happened. Um, I also think you know definitely having or creating an environment where this could be a thing that's brought up before the background check because a lot of the time the background check is something that's done you know after the interview you know like you've given the person the job and then you do the background check um which i don't think is beneficial to anyone in this circumstance but also just using like objective criteria you know like once you once you know this information instead of basing the hiring only on the basis of their criminal record like just you know treat them like any other um, employee like do they have the job related skills do they fit within uh, you know your business do they fit with your company um, and the the culture of your of your company uh, do they have problem solving are they able to adapt and I think too like understanding their situation are they how do they adapt from from uh, you know being released and you know trying to get back into the workforce I think we've already talked about this with our hypothetical situations, but um, we can we can talk some more because I think it's interesting to look at different perspectives because, again, it's not only the um, you know the formerly incarcerated uh, individual you know that we're we're looking at. We also got to look at the employer perspective and also the family perspective and the perspective of other employees. So, I mean, how would you guys feel if? Um, you know, you were an employee and you found out or you knew that someone new was coming to work with you that had been uh, previously and, you know, within the justice system. I feel like while well, thinking about it, like, in a deeper way, um, I'd be more curious than judgmental. And I'd want to know, like, what it is that they actually did before, like, I would make any assumptions, like... I wouldn't like say like oh I'm scared to work with this person like what if they just stole for their family. Mm. Um, I feel like it's something that you need to like let them bring to light before you make any assumptions just because you hear that they have a record. Yeah, I think you have like the right perspective on it too, like looking into it. Um, I think Jeff was the one that said that. Um the biggest issue that he faces is that, you know, in terms of like employee employee relationships, the biggest thing that he sees is people will Google people almost immediately. Um, which, you know, I think that I, I wouldn't even like, I don't know. I Google people sometimes too. Like if I don't know about them, like I will Google them, but I think understanding that they're, 
not everything that you see online is 100% accurate 100% of the time. There's the story behind it. There's, you know, like there's different things about it. Like, I don't think even what we choose to put on the internet isn't always like 100% accurate to us. So I think, yeah, like kind of like going along with what Shay said, like putting yourself in their shoes and being like interested in like learning more about it. And even just letting, as an employer, letting this person talk about their own situation and not speaking for them. I also think it helps if everyone's very open about the situation like you come into it and you don't treat it as something like oh this is terrible and like no one can know about it and instead you're all open and like I mean maybe the person isn't willing to like talk about it because it is something personal but not make it so it has such a bad stigma about it where like they should feel ashamed about it I think would help a lot and so there's not like like people gossiping about it in the workplace I know personally if that happened to me and then all my coworkers knew that I had like a previous crime or like a secret I didn't want anyone to know about and now suddenly everyone's like talking about me behind my back. I think it would just make me feel so unwelcome at work that I wouldn't want to show up and it would just like unmotivate me a lot. So I think it really takes a toll on the person if you're not open about it and you just have to end this bad negative stigma on it. Mm-hmm. I feel like you don't even have to like force it out of them like just give them at least the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I also think another thing is like kind of um, like putting yourself in their shoes again. And like if it's if it's been some time since this has happened, like the, the that they've been in this situation, just kind of think about, you know, like what have they done since then? Like they've definitely been kind of working on themselves, trying to get into a better place and if they, um, you know, are, like, showing up at a, a job trying to, you know, get themselves together, you got to kind of keep that in mind, too. Like, um, they're just trying to better themselves and get back into the real world. And just being kind of judgmental like that, obviously, is just kind of going to break someone down eventually. Um, so just kind of, yeah, like, being open, being curious, like you said, Shay, and just kind of putting yourself in their shoes, I think, is really important. <laughs> and... um Jeffrey from uh, the HR Summit even said, like, the one quote that people are just people and they've made mistakes along the way. Like, it doesn't really define who they are. Yeah, I remember one of um, the woman who spoke to us when we were talking to the podcast people, she was talking about her husband being mm-hmm. incarcerated and how he didn't do the crime. And I think that demonstrates a family perspective of how, although she's not in jail like he is, it's taken such a toll on her. And how she's, like, fighting to, like, clear his name because it's pretty much ruined his life. And the impact that it's had on her and her family and how she's had to completely, like, she's changed her career to now be fighting for him. Which, good for her. Like, that's amazing that, like, she's, like, standing up for him and all this and, like, fighting for him. But it's also just had, like, such an immense impact on her life. Like, the bad things that people have said about him and how it has affected her, too. That's also, like, such yeah. a big thing as, like, going to jail for something that you didn't even do. Like, it doesn't yeah. even, like, we're always assuming, like, yeah, they have a criminal record, but what if they didn't even do it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of, like, when these charges are put on you, it's just, like, again, again, goes back to that stereotype. Like, that's what you're seen as. And it's, like, they're, they're I mean, I feel like people are going to think, you know, he's saying he didn't do it because he doesn't want to go to jail. But, you know, you really have to, like, hear him out, go through all the facts and everything because there really is two sides to every story. And I do remember, like, um, when we were talking about Sierra, how she said, you know, her husband was wrongfully committed. Um, I remember she said, like, when you're, when you're, when you go to prison, your family goes with you. So it's like, you know, it's like a part of her and her, I think she said she had a son as, 
like in there in jail um and he's like missing out on you know his his uh son's childhood while he's serving time for a crime he didn't commit so that's just like i mean it's just sad for sure and i think too like it reminds me of like you know just kind of like relating this to like kind of like pop culture references and stuff like that like when i even in this class like every time we talk about issues i think about the office because there were so many issues that were brought up and like it's a huge like not that it was like you know a funny thing per se but you know the way that they handled hiring uh, a justice impact employee and they made it a whole big you know thing forget about this whole martin in prison thing people will draw unfair conclusions about martin angela sure let's protect the convicts at the expense of the general feeling of safety in the workplace a whole big seminar and they were more focused on like almost making it sound like the job was better than prison or like something like that or like people you know other employees were upset about um the way that they found out and it was a bunch of speculation and stuff i think you know in the real world this should definitely be something that's kept between um the employer and that employee and yeah. it should definitely just be something that's you know if the employee wants to share they can share that kind of thing and so I think bottom line, you know, if I could, you know, kind of sum it up in, in five words, I would just say, like, you know, the main point here is just to promote second chances for for these job seekers. Yeah, I'd say to sum, sum everything up in five words, I'd choose um, that people are worth more than their mistakes. I think that's a really big thing to look at. Yeah, I think going off about, like, my points from earlier, I think that my five words would be, um, like, be the resource for change. My five words would be implement programs supporting these workers. I think it touches upon the nature time nature test and also the programs that Che was talking about before um, and how implementing them is supporting them and helping them out. I think we all made some really good points today. Thank you guys so much for tuning into uh, Rocking with HR, our podcast. If you guys want to check out other podcasts, HR uh, Dispensary, yeah, uh, Fun in the Workplace, Happy which, Hour. Yeah, yeah, that one was really good. Put some interesting topics one. there. Check them out. Yeah, they're all on the HR from Happy Valley channel. Um, but again, thank you so much for listening and, uh, we'll, we'll tune in next time. Bye. Bye guys. Bye. See ya.